Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, Welcome once again to the Presbyterian Church in Morristown. Thanks so much for being here today. It's a joy to worship God together in this place. Just like last Sunday, I'm going to read a bit more from Matthew's Gospel than what the lectionary prescribes. And truth be told, uh, the lectionary prescribes that today is Transfiguration Sunday, a Sunday that I hate preaching on. If I have to preach on that text one more time, and Jesus, of course, knew what was going on to the kids and her parents with that question. But we're going to continue as we have been in Matthew's Gospel in the Sermon on the Mount. Today's reading, actually, if we were to stick with it on the lectionary day, it would begin with the word, therefore. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, but we would have missed what came before that. And so let's not do that. Let's not miss out on that because... We've been doing so well, I think, trying to give a pretty complete picture of Jesus' trajectory of his life and ministry so far, at least as Matthew tells it. In fact, here we are in the second half of February already, and we've been following Matthew's gospel each and every Sunday since before Christmas, before Jesus was born. So hopefully we have a good understanding of what Jesus has been up to, his birth, the visit of the Magi, his family's escape to Egypt to avoid the wrath of King Herod, his baptism, his retreat into the wilderness where he was tempted, his move to Capernaum, calling the disciples, healing and teaching the crowds who were coming to follow him, going up on a mountain to preach, the Beatitudes, telling the people things like their salt and light, saying some hard stuff, too, that that it's difficult to hear, with maybe the most difficult being, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so here we are today, not quite reading all of it, but for sure having been through most of the first six chapters of Matthew's gospel over these last few months. Hopefully you have a sense for the, for the movement and the overarching narrative, and hopefully as we leave this season of Epiphany and begin the season of Lent this coming week, hopefully you will continue to join us on the way. Friends, this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Hear God's word to us today. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume And where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, don't worry, saying, what will, I, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for all of these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Grant, O God, that only the truth be spoken and only the truth heard. Amen. Each Wednesday evening, uh, a small group of us, sometimes just three or four of us, gathers in the library at the parish house to read through and discuss the primary scripture text for the upcoming Sunday. It's one of the highlights of my week. We grow through the text a first time, each taking turns by reading a couple of verses. Then I read the text a second time, and we pay attention to the word or or to the phrase that seems to speak to us. What do we notice? What jumps out as we listen to God's word? If you're looking for a spiritual practice for Lent, might I suggest that you join us for our text study. If you're looking to engage with scripture in a deeper way and and maybe bring some forethought to the sermon each week, hint, hint, (laughs) I invite you to come. It's each Wednesday at 6.30 in the library. You don't have to do anything in advance or prepare anything at all. You just come and you sit with scripture in the company of good friends. So we read through the text out loud twice, paying attention to the word or the phrase that we notice or that somehow speaks to us. For me, this past Wednesday, when it comes to our text for today, the words that I kept noticing were not, neither, and nor. Do not store up for yourselves treasures, on, uh, treasures of heaven, uh, treasures on earth where moss and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Over and over in this passage, Jesus tells us, 
Do not worry. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. You cannot serve God and wealth. And again and again and again, do not worry. This last Thursday evening, PCM hosted Dr. Lisa Miller from Columbia University, who is also the best-selling author of The Spiritual Child, which offers a psychoanalytical approach to the development of young people, but, but which also lifts up the importance of grounding young people in a community where their spirit can be nurtured. Yes, a psychologist who teaches at an Ivy League university makes the argument that whether you call it God or a higher power or the universe, children should be grounded in a community in which their spiritual life can be nurtured. We are hardwired, Dr. Miller says, with a spirit, with a sense of something beyond ourselves. And we need to pay attention to the spiritual life of children because doing so has lasting positive outcomes for young people who are less likely to engage in risky behaviors, less likely to experience depression or anxiety, and more likely to thrive academically. Well, at her talk on Thursday, she gave out copies of a new book called The Awakened Brain. She says, each of us is endowed with a natural capacity to perceive a greater reality and consciously connect to the life force that moves in, through, and around us. Whether or not we participate in a spiritual practice or to a faith tradition, whether or not we identify as religious or spiritual, our brain has a natural inclination toward spiritual awareness. The awakened brain, she says, is a, is a neural circuitry that allows us to see the world more fully and thus enhance our individual societal and global well-being. There's a chapter in The Awakened Brain in which Dr. Miller talks about her experience working in a university health clinic. She says that of the students she treated, a small percentage actually had the symptoms of a major depressive disorder that warranted medication and psychiatric care. The others were depressed, Miller says, but it was more existential in nature. Not a bottomed-out depression, but a sadness and disorientation accompanied by questions about meaning and purpose. What is the point of life? Is there a larger meaning to existence? Why am I personally here? These are painful questions to grapple with, she, she writes, but important ones, too, on the path of emerging adulthood. That's why it's so important for young people to have the opportunity to wrestle with these questions in a community that cares for them and nurtures them. As we were talking about our text this past Wednesday, I was reminded of a story. You've maybe heard it before. There was once a, excuse me, a philosophy professor who was giving a lecture, and in front of him, he had an empty aquarium. He started off by filling the aquarium with a big pile of rocks, and when they reached the top of the aquarium and he couldn't fit any more inside, he asked the students if the aquarium was full. They all agreed there was no more room to put the rocks in. It was full. But is it really full, he asked. He then pulled out a, small ba or a bag of small pebbles, and he poured them inside. 
He shook the aquarium so that the pebbles filled the gaps around the big rocks. Is it full now? He asked. And the group of students all looked at each other and they agreed that yes, the aquarium was now completely full, but is it really full? He asked. The professor then picked up a tub of sand and he poured the sand in and it started to seep into the spaces between the pebbles and the big rocks. And once again, he showed the aquarium to his class and asked if it was full. And once again, the students agreed that yes, it was full, but are you sure it's really full? And then he pulled out a pitcher of water and he emptied its entire contents into the aquarium and it soaked up all of the remaining space and the students began to laugh to themselves and the professor went on to explain that the rocks, the pebbles, the sand and the water, they represent everything that is in one's life. And the point is, if you did things in reverse, if you put in the water, and then the sand, and then the pebbles, well, you'd have no room for the big rocks, for the big things, for the important things in your life. You have to start with the big rocks first. And it's a metaphor, right? So you can determine for yourself what those big things are for you. Have you ever found yourself wondering, like Dr. Miller's students, what's the point of my life? Is there a larger meaning to existence? Why am I personally here? She says they're painful, but important questions. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is too. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Serve God, not wealth. Because it's really, really hard, maybe even impossible, to fully and wholly and authentically do both. Do not worry. This is the hard one, right? Don't worry about your life, Jesus says. Of course, Jesus didn't have a mortgage. <laughs> he didn't have college tuition to pay. Jesus didn't have a child with an addiction or face the prospect of getting laid off. But that said, the people whom, to whom Jesus spoke these words, they had worries and problems of their own. They lived in a kind of poverty and uncertainty we will likely never know or truly understand. Whether the, when the weather could determine feast or famine, when the whims of the Roman occupation could determine a sort of quiet subjugation or the full-on destruction of God's people, 
when most diseases meant death sentences and there was absolutely zero safety net to catch you if tragedy struck. Don't worry about your life, Jesus says. But strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What is the point of your life? Why are you personally here? I think the answer has something to do with which rocks we put in first. Sure, there are bills to pay and tomorrow will bring worries of its own, but just for today, can it be enough to say I will strive first for the kingdom of God? I will begin with God and a sense of gratitude for God's grace. I will say my treasures in heaven and I rejoice in the good news that there's nothing in life or in death that can separate me from the love of God and Jesus Christ. Dr. Miller might say that your brain is hardwired to answer that way, to strive for God first. St. Augustine would say your heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. But you already know that, don't you? You already know that, don't you? And so maybe in a world where, where depression and anxiety and loneliness and fear about the future, not to mention commercialism and materialism and striving after wealth are all on the rise, maybe our work is in, to invite others to know that as well to help others to find their rest in God, to say to the world there is a point to your life and there is a reason why you personally are here. If you have sat with those painful but important questions, then you know that the answer is to strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all of the other things will be given to you as well. Thanks be to God, friends. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.